wish I had a mouthful of skeet right now. You amaze me with what you put in your mouth. Broadcasting live from San Antonio, Texas. You're Mexican, you're, uh, you're evil, and you're a loser. A man who takes rants, profanity, and useless information to a whole new level. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's skeet. We are tonight's entertainment. Only have one question. Where is the skeet, 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 skeet? Now, welcome to Skeetopia. And here we go. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. What's up, everybody? I am the one and only Skeet Almighty. But you, my friends, can call me Josh. How the hell you doing? This is the kind of life that I live. I was um, at an absolutely great rock show with the boys from Nonpoint, Gemini Syndrome. I'll bitch about uh, fucking Gandalf later, the lead vocalist. Seems like a fucking douchebag. Uh, I won't rip into him just yet. Phenomenal band called Islander. Uh, three Years Hollow, great band. I felt like a really... Uh, here's what what some people don't understand, is that when it comes to doing interviews, sometimes, and normally... Now, this has become a new thing for me. I uh, The opening bands, some people... There, there's... Let's just... Let's just lay it out there. There's... Out of 100% of you, there is a small percentage that says, oh, yeah, you know, I really just want to see a band that's the headliner. Maybe the people that are co-headlining. Because I don't know anybody else that's on the bill. Now, why you could quite possibly be seeing the next fucking Foo Fighters. You could quite possibly be seeing the next NWA. You could quite possibly see the next fucking Johnny Cash, but you don't know because you have chosen to just say, eh, fuck it. I don't want to spend enough time. I do not have time to do that. There's a band over the weekend that I've seen uh, called Islander. Phenomenal band. Great band. P.O.D. times 10 to the 10th fucking power. Stephen Hawking would be able to say, I have gone between Spriz and Tape, and I believe that the band Islander is the next big thing. But you showed up late because you didn't fucking know who it was and you didn't give a shit. But one of the lessons I learned recently, I was at a rock show, I was hanging out with buddies, and normally, no offense to any of the artists that I have ever interviewed, normally I leave early. I leave early for the simple fact that I'm fucking spoiled. I'm spoiled because I've seen every band known to man that is already made a name for themselves or they're already on their way. And my theory, personally, as a jock, as a radio personality, is that if you don't do something that just blows my fucking mind within the first three songs, then I'm out the fucking door. 
There is one band, my all-time favorite band, that I have never left till the end of the show. And that band, of course, would be Nine Inch Nails. Well, I was hanging out with a couple of buddies, and my rule of thumb is to split. I magically disappear out of nowhere. Well, I was hanging out with a buddy that I haven't seen in a while because he is a guy that has been overseas fighting for this country. And he basically called me a pussy. Now, as a man, nobody should back down when you're basically called out and says you're a pussy for leaving early. You gotta see the whole show, man. Come on, the band's fucking great. The band at this point was non-point. Non-point. Fucking phenomenal. 17 years, veterans, and uh, the lead vocalist, Elias, phenomenal guy. That dude, that... Let me tell you something, man. As an artist, if your thing is screaming slash singing and being able to hold a fucking note and you do not lose breath and you don't crack, vocally speaking, you're a phenomenal artist. And for that, I got to give you a round of applause. Fucking phenomenal, man. But we were back. Uh, we usually hang out in the back. That's what I do. Uh, I like to. I, I want to be able to not only see the band, but I also would like to see how the crowd participation is. Now, it just so happens uh, Skitopia is from San Antonio. That's, uh, that's the headquarters of the show. So on the left hand of the stage, stage left, you had merchandise from Gemini Syndrome, one of the openers, and the Islander, um, uh, the second band. On the far right-hand stage, you had the lead, um, yeah, Nonpoint, the headliner. It was a fucking midget. Who doesn't like midgets? Midgets are funny. Midgets are great. You have no, there is just something in the back of our minds that you are dying to fucking know, uh, you want to get up close and personal to a fucking midget. It's not an insulting thing, but come on. How often do you walk around and you see a fucking midget? A small person, whatever your PC fucking faggot self decides that you want to do. Uh, so I started watching. I was observing because merchandising is very important financially to the artist. You can make a lot of extra cash for that. In radio sense, it's the equivalent to being able to go on the weekend and spend three hours at a fucking car dealership. Whether or not you like the car doesn't fucking matter because they like you and they want to spend money on you and they know that you the brand is going to go ahead and entertain. And maybe you might have some people there. How many people are going to buy fucking cars? Uh, slim to none. I mean, they might look. They might talk to a couple of people. But they, uh, it's slim to none. Same with merchandising. So we noticed on... The right hand, right hand side of the stage, you had some little fucking midget. On the left hand stage for Gemini Syndrome, you had this fucking hot piece of ass. This bitch was fucking sexy enough to be in Maxim magazine. She could be 
one of these girls that you see on a Suicide Girl special on Showtime late night. That's how fucking sexy she was. Now, I was hanging out in the back. I was hanging out backstage waiting to do my interviews. And I saw her without makeup, without prepping, without doing anything. And she wasn't. I mean, she was okay. I don't really have a big thing for chicks with tattoos that are good looking because I think it draws back. It's like having a fucking uh, zit in the middle of your fucking nose or herpes sores on your lips. It doesn't do much for me. That's just me. There's some people, like my best friend Chuck, that uh, from CBQ Eatery here in San, in uh, New, based on New Braunfels, for San Antonio, phenomenal, best barbecue you're ever gonna fucking have. Shameless plug said. There are guys like that that basically are like, oh my god, I love that. I mean, who doesn't like a hot, beautiful girl? It's like a canvas. You love it. You can't wait to fucking see it. And she's basically all tatted up. And I saw her backstage before everybody walked into the club. And honestly, I thought to myself, okay, that's a good... She's a a good-looking girl. Not my type. Not incredibly attractive in my eyes. But there are probably individuals out there that think to themselves, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good-looking girl. But when the show finally started, she got all dolled up. I was throughout kind of a slash insult tease saying, don't go go out there getting Photoshop ready. Ha ha ha. And you could tell she was like, yeah, whatever. I don't fucking care. Fuck you. Whatever. I say what's on my mind, bitch. You don't like it. Go fuck yourself. So my friends and I are sitting sitting in the back watching the show. And myself, I get distracted, which is why usually I leave the shows. So you're seeing this hot piece of ass. Wasn't the same bitch that I was seeing uh, uh, before the show started, but she got herself all dolled up and she looked, goddamn, she looked fucking sexy as shit. And my friend who was engaged to a Filipino chick that he met when he was in the Navy in Kabul and and was thinking to himself, you know, this is a guy that was incredibly promiscuous beforehand. He was thinking, Josh, she, she smells so fucking good. I had to buy a baby doll. And at that single moment, I thought to myself, well, there you go. There are guys like you and me that would basically hand them my platinum visa card and say, I don't fucking care what you want to buy or what you want to put my way. I just want to take a look at you up close and personal and have you pretend to think I'm a good looking guy and or cute. And you personally probably don't give a fuck. You're all about the fucking band. And he did. That was the same guy. And I thought to myself, and then I looked at the headlining guy with the midget that I would spend money on because uh, how often do you see fucking midgets? Barely said there was nobody in fucking line. But before Gemini Syndrome started and it started and after they started, there was like a shit ton of people buying merchandise and suddenly it it snapped. It occurred to me that guys 
and girls, if you are in a band, here is the secret to making money merchandise-wise. You get a fucking sexy-ass girl that's flirtatious, that basically sells herself as the ultimate sex symbol. They, guys, basically, will go out and spend money just to get a closer look at you. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly how it was because the rest of the people in the club could give two goddamn shits. They were thinking to themselves, fucking midgets are creepy, man. That's like something out of uh, uh, FXX's uh, American uh, Horror Story uh, feature. I don't want to go see that. I don't don't want to get close to them. In fact, I don't want to even shake their hand. Little fucking weird midget fingers. It's uh, like... Uh, little Vienna sausage fingers. I don't want to see that. But across the way, you see a hot piece of ass. Guys and girls in rock bands, let me tell you right now, the solution to being able to sell yourselves and the band, the product, the brand, quote unquote, the brand of whatever your band is, you have a hot bitch selling shit that knows how to work it. I guarantee you, you are going to, you could suck on fucking stage and it doesn't matter for the simple fact that guys, especially men that go to these hard rock shows will be like, uh, I don't care. I just, here's my credit card. I, I, I want to buy a couple of shit. Really? Okay. What, what do you think? I don't care. Here's my credit card, please. Oh my God. What a, and you're thinking the whole time. And this is a guy, my best friend, my best friend and occasional co-host, Al, uh, Frankie, he was thinking to himself and this is his exact words. He was like, dude, I don't even know what the fuck I bought. All I know is that she smelled fucking phenomenal and up close. She had an ass for days, put a week on it, and they made fucking cash. And I guarantee you, around the nation, everywhere they go, you keep selling that product of a hot piece ass at the merchandise booth, you are going to make fucking money. Sex sells, people. When you hear the phrase sex sells, it's not just blowing smoke up someone's ass. It's because it's fucking true. Not everybody is like me that just wants uh, to know, is it an angry uh, midget? Is it a cool midget? Is it something like out of a movie? I mean, and he, on top of it, he was a fucking Asian. He was some fucking chink uh, uh, midget. That's even better. That's like almost damn near the trifecta of curiosity. Uh, he wasn't selling shit, so that's too bad for the guys from Nonpoint. Maybe if you had like a really fucking sexy female midget on roller skates, like this fucking prostitute I used to know in Pensacola that was raking in damn near six figures because she was kind of cute for a midget and people were still like oh my god there's a, a fucking sexy little midget on roller skates pimping her fucking snatch out then and only then you might make some fucking money off of that so if you want to learn anything out of that uh there you go you're being inappropriate whatever so today's special guest, uh, great guy. His name is CJ from the band Drowning Pool. Phenomenal band. Been around for quite a while. Uh, you will be able to listen 
to a great interview and a great song that he personally picked out of the new album. Uh, oh, actually, it's not a new album. It's a reissued album from, uh, I, I believe it's called Sinner, from back in the day. I hope you like it. I hope you like the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, CJ from Drowning Pool on Skeetopia. All right. Drowning Pool, Sinner, unlucky 13th anniversary deluxe edition. Wow, man. Hard to believe. I, as I was telling you earlier, uh, I remember specifically, I was working for KISS here in San Antonio, and I remember September 11th and hearing about all the stories. And it, it's really trippy because it kind of ages myself that I remember all of that as it was happening and then the drama with you guys and everything that had occurred. So hearing 13th anniversary, holy yeah. cow, man. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It's been that long. I have no concept of time anyway. But, um, you know, it all came together. It came together really awesome, man. We've always wanted to do something for Dave. We have uh, these old demos and some old songs and unreleased stuff with Dave Williams. And it was just the right place and right time for it. We didn't want everything to be forced. Um, a lot of bands, when they get on that 10-year mark, they do like a best-of-type record and stuff. But us having Jason Moreno as a new singer and, and, and only having one record under our belt with him, it just seemed kind of weird to do a best-of. I mean, I think we need to get a few more records with him before we best-of any kind of situation. So... Again, and we don't like to do normal stuff. You know, 10 year, 15, 20 year, you know, just happens to be 13 year. We've had a very unlucky career. Uh, so we call it Unlucky 13, and we happen to have 13 demos that they wanted to put out. So everything just made sense. So um, I'm excited to get that out there. It comes out November 11th. This is opening night, I guess, for you, or as far as what I've heard, as you guys playing the entire Sinner album. Is this true? How are you feeling? Yeah, tonight is the first night we're officially playing the whole record front to back. Um, we haven't done that since Dave was in the band. There's a lot of songs that I haven't played in the last 13 years. Hope I remember them. <laughs> Should have rehearsed. No, we rehearsed, man. It was great, man. It's awesome. Um, I get um, it's just a different, you know, with, with each record or each singer, with, with every band, even you know, Papa Roach, we were talking about earlier. You know, from record to record, you know, different things happen in your life and influence you. So each record has its own vibe, regardless of the singer switch for us. So there's a really cool vibe about that center record, and um, just get chills playing the songs. You know, this last week in rehearsals. And I'm looking forward to uh, rocking the whole thing again for the fans, man. That's very cool, man. Jason Moreno, as you mentioned, uh, has been with you since uh, 2012. How is he feeling doing all these songs from Sinner Live, maybe some of these songs for the very first time? Um, for Jason, man, I have to give him a lot of credit. He's Since the day he walked in the door um, as our singer, we've known Jason for 15 years. He came up in the scene in Dallas, so it, he's been a friend for a very long time. But um, he walked in prepared, man, just out of respect to Dave, respect to uh, the Dranapool fans. I mean, he learned every song on every CD that we have. Um, while we were in the recording process of Resilience, him and I shared a room, and he'd get up every morning and he'd put on a different Dranapool CD. He's in the shower singing Desensitize. He's in the shower singing Full Circle CD it's, it's, um, or Sinner, you know. So he already, he already had this stuff down. So it's kind of a no-brainer. And, and he's by far um, put most time and effort into... You know, learning all day of stuff, everybody's stuff, man. He's got to wear three different hats and bring his own awesome voice to the game, which he does. So uh, it's easy peasy, man. Was Jason always the first choice to be the vocalist when you were looking? Because he has a sound more natural to early Drowning Pool. He has a sound more natural compared to other singers. And also, Jason's got a very original voice, which is um, something we wanted, something we've always had. You know, Dave had an individual voice. Um, same thing with the last two singers we've had. They just had their own awesome tone to what they bring to the table. But, uh, yeah, man, we just known him forever. Um, if I would have known in hindsight, 
I would have went straight to him because I mean honestly man we're having the most fun we've had since since Dave was in the band and no disrespect to the last singers and the and other records we have we've made great music together but um you know that's just like one tenth of the equation man you got to be friends and buddies and, and being out here on the road is not easy on anybody and and uh you know, three happy drunks and one mean drunk just doesn't ever work. So, hey, even in radio too. Even in radio, you know, man. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, for the past two years with Jason, he has a big library of Drowning Pool songs and styles to sing. Different incarnations of the bands, uh, different vocalists. How has he been able to adapt to so much diversity and pull it off live each night? I was just watching some YouTube stuff and really sensational to see. Yeah, it's just, um, again, the dude's super pro. He rehearses a lot. I mean, he definitely rehearses more than we've... He's the only singer we've ever had that warms up before a show, which I like to see. So he's, he's dedicated, man. He is, he's um, a true musician. He's, he's passionate about music, and he loves it. So um, much respect to that. But it's fun for us now because... You know, with, with again, in the past, we were kind of limited. It's like, this guy can only sing so much of that guy, so we can only... The set list was these group of songs. So now, I mean, nightly, like the past three shows, I mean, I don't know what we're doing night tonight. We're like the Grateful Dead now. We can play any song off any record. And it's fun, again, with the fans. Sometimes they come up to me while I'm hanging out at the merch booth. Hey, will you play this? Will you play that? It's like, sure, we'll throw it in the set. So it's awesome we can do that now. It's also, you know, challenging because sometimes the band guys will change a song on me like two seconds before we go on stage and I'm looking down I'm thinking we're going into one we're going to, going into another it's like alright but we got it but uh, yeah man it's, it's been super fun that we can do that now you added unlucky 13th anniversary deluxe edition to the title of Sinner reissue was the quote unquote unlucky tongue in cheek or do you feel the band has more than its share of bad luck for the past 13 years we've been hit with one of everything I wouldn't say everything but one of uh, most things that break up bands you know this guy did this this guy said with that guy's girlfriend this guy's got a drug problem all those things and then some have happened to this band and obviously you know Dave Williams passing away did the, for starters and 9-11 like you mentioned earlier but uh, you know it's tongue in cheek man we're lucky to be here we work hard to get here and um, we, I mean we're still on it tonight as you see but you know we say unlucky because there's a lot of bad things that have happened to us but um, we just persevered and, and powered through them and um, I'm glad you know sometimes things in life and, you got, and I'm just going to on a positive note for me personally and for everybody listening I mean sometimes you have to go through those bad times and to get to the good times and, and now that I'm here with Jason and with Mike and Stevie um you know, celebrating Center Record, celebrating Dave Williams, you know, all those bad things, you know, they kind of made sense now. I wouldn't have been here without them. I've always felt that some of the greatest bands deal with some of the biggest adversities, and it truly makes a band an artist who they are. And uh, I think that really is a good message to fans, to the next generation of musicians, to be able to see and hear everything that guys like uh, you have been through. And... Uh, Believe it or not, you know, you say unlucky, but I always say, you know, unlucky, but at the same time, couldn't be luckier. Couldn't be luckier. It's been, well, they, there's also the Lucky 13 logos out there, so we just went with the Unlucky 13. We've been very fortunate that we're still here, definitely, and um, you got to stick with it, man, especially to musicians out there. You know, if you love it, it's not going to be an easy road, so um, if you're passionate about anything in life, whether it's music or whatever, man, stick with it. Tell the listeners and your fans what they can get with the new reissue of Sinner and why they should be so excited excited about it besides it being a drowning yeah that man really there's a, a handful of cool things that are happening on the, on the uh, reissue i mean obviously we remastered the original cd which was already pretty slamming so that was um one of those things where you can overdo stuff so the thing was we want to get it sounding better but you don't want to slam it too hard to where it's like you lost it and then on the on the second disc um deluxe well it's not it's part of it the second disc, disc portion of it um there's some old demos 
um, a couple different groups of old demos, but there was one particular one that we had. Um, we just called it the pill demo that I went back and found our old producer, JD, um, Sam's a local guy. Uh, and he still had the dat tapes. We did it on dat tapes. He had it in his shed, and they were like covered in spider webs and mud. And uh, I didn't think they were going to work. So there's um, five, well, six tunes on there that I, I got got to remix the old demos. Because, you know, as most people start out, you, you walk in and, you know, did it at a buddy's house. We set up, we recorded it, he did a quick mix, and that's what you got. So there's a lot of stuff you couldn't hear in the background. Dave did, you couldn't hear the kick drum. So all I did was just do a remix so you can hear everything clean with today's modern tools, which was fun for me. And um, also weird because like 3 o'clock in the morning, there's like Dave doing whisper stuffs and I have his vocals isolated. So you like turn around, you like, you feel like Dave's in the room with you. Um, and then there's one really, really awesome cool thing that happened um, about three months before we put this out. You know, we had talked about the last song we wrote with Dave called Hero Sleeping. And um, our sound guy at the time, we, were do, we did these three rehearsals right before OzFest 2002. And it was the very last rehearsal. And he recorded it on a cassette tape. I didn't even know I had this thing. And um, recorded the, the only take we have of this song called Hero Evening that we worked on. And we made it all the way through the song, which was really cool. So I found that tape three months ago um, in my videotapes. And um, I put that thing in, and then we had the song, man. It was like just one of those things you see in movies. It's like, wow, we have that last track, that hidden, that lost track. So um, it's the same thing, man. I put that in the Pro Tools and cleaned it up as much as I could as a stereo cassette tape off board. But um, you get the message in um, the lyrics, Hero Sleeping, or the lyrics of the songs about uh, past musicians who have passed away before us. And it's kind of like, it's just tripped out because like now this, you know, Dave is part of what the song's about. It's the last song we worked on with him. Wow, that is very cool, man. The, the dat things always surprise me. You never think they're going to work. Uh, old did. air checks. I found, like, old dat, and I'm like, man, I don't even know where to find a dat. And someone found it, and I'm like, holy cow, this works? <laughs> yeah, they're iffy. The dat machines, back in the day, they were like three grand when they came out. I found them. Um, I had to go through three of them before I found one that worked. They're 100 bucks on eBay. So I went through, and the first two I got, I got the first and second one didn't work, and I was using other tapes, not my tapes, and tapes were getting stuck in it tapes were getting eaten so i got the third machine and it worked and i and i got a, i got those tracks man man that's pretty cool uh, let's switch gears a little bit sure. uh talk about flyleaf tell us how the tour went and if you ever discussed the similar situations of what a band goes through when making a big change like that flyleaf obviously a new I, singer i think uh, i think we should write a book on going through singers and how to keep things going man we definitely had a lot of experience with that um you know it's a tough thing those guys that you know they were awesome. They're awesome band. They're good friends. We've we've played with them, man. I remember playing, playing club shows with them. You know, South Texas, man. God, when they first got started, we got started before either one of us was signed. So it was cool to do a full tour with them. And I have to be honest, man. Kristen May was freaking amazing. She um, she's just awesome, man. She brings to the table. She's she's a, a well-rounded. Seems like a schooled singer, and she seemed like she could do anything, man. It was fun every day. She'd be walking down the hallways, with other dressing rooms, um, singing all their songs, warming up all day long. So it's another, you know, dedicated musician that they have in the band. And, and haven't heard the whole new CD. I've heard a handful of new songs. And um, they're freaking awesome. So That's cool, man. Uh, what are your feelings on the controversy Bodies has been associated with over the past 13 years? You know, everything from getting pulled off the air, as we were talking a little about earlier, after 9-11, uh, to it being used by interrogators at Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, well, I mean, you make anybody listen to Bodies, I'm sure it's going to interrogate the hell out of them. <laughs> that song, no, no, man. Just miscommunication and, and uh, just... You know, people misreading the song. I heard it was 
used for that too. But when we went to Guantanamo Bay, they, I, I think that just got blown out of proportion. I don't think they used that music to torture anybody. No, I, 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 mean, I on, think man. that had to have been a little blown out. Yeah, that, now, that stuff is always blown out of proportion. I mean, it's a simple song about jumping in the pit and uh, having a good time. Um, it's like a rock anthem type song. That's all it's ever been about. It's never been about anything else but that. But it just has this energy to it that... Um, you know, I guess that line can get misinterpreted, but it's also been used in sports and movies and video games. So it's a lot of cool stuff. Is tons of great stuff that uh, I recall bodies doing. Now I knew a lot of uh, military guys that used to tell me that before going in, they would always crank it in their headphones right. and it just kind of hyped them up. But in the same thing, they would say, "I listen to some Manson, I listen to some Rammstein, etc." Right. I never thought I'd be lumped into that uh, controversial song. I mean, I remember growing up. Do you remember like Ozzy or Judas Priest? All these guys were going into um, even a Queen man. They they, yeah. they thought they were had backwards messages about smoking weed or something. It was weird. So uh, you see these stuff on TV. They're in courtrooms, and the next thing you know, you know, here you are dealing with the same stuff. I'm like, how did my song get grouped into this stuff and, and, and misinterpreted? But that's all it is, man. It's misinterpretation. Misinterpretation happens all the time. Would that fall under the any press is good press? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd rather have good press and positive press. I mean, it is press on it. But, um, I mean, I just, just as a whole, man, I mean, body is definitely the, the gift that keeps giving. I mean, they keep using the song and stuff. We have a handful of things coming out here. The song's going to be used in again. Some other video games. And we just did some zombie stuff with it. And hoping it gets on the uh, Walking Dead show oh, yeah. as well so that would be great man yeah. what, what a huge show that thing's turned out to be so that would be a nice little kick for who doesn't like zombies man <laughs> gotta on. love it especially during halloween i i noticed you released a lyric video for bodies tell our listeners about this one and who came up with the original concept well that's you know the last few years the lyric videos have become real popular and we just never had one for bodies so at the same time again um we have a new company that um that owns all the rights to it that's just how the business works and, um, you know, again, we're talking about zombies. They were talking about possibly using it for Walking Dead and a few other things. And at the time that, you know, this is just a few weeks ago, we put it together. So let's do a zombie video with it, man. Because we all are Walking Dead fans, all of us. You know what would be cool, man, is if the guys from Walking Dead really found out how stoked you guys were and just invited you to do like a cameo for it. I'd love to do, um, you know, what is it? the Talking Dead show afterwards and, and talk about all this stuff. Because all of us, man, we watch it religiously. I haven't started the new season yet because we're on tour. So I usually wait and try to do that at home so I can just get into it and watch it in a row. I can't watch a show and wait a week, man. So I'm always a few shows behind. Yeah. So I'm every, every time people are talking about it, I'm like, nah, spoiler alert. I did that with Breaking Bad. Like, everybody talked about it. I cover my ears, and I just want to do... I wanted to fall into it. I just started watching that, man. I'm only about five episodes deep, and... um. It gets better. It got brutal in the beginning. I was like, "Whoa, what is this?" So, and that's what everybody says. It even gets better. So it's it's pretty brutal. Show, Surprisingly, man. and I was uh, I was a bigger fan of The Sopranos, but as it started going and everybody was talking about it, I was under the impression I was like, "It's AMC. It's not HBO. They can't swear as much. Right. No nudity." But man, it was honestly it could have easily been on HBO and still been great. Yeah, it's a good show. They got to be lucky, man. They got a lot of good shows out there. Hell yeah! Uh, through the many goals the band has hit, and also the hardships for the past thirteen years, what is it that keeps all of you motivated to carry on and eventually write the next original album? Um, just the friends and family vibe. I mean, we love playing music. We love writing music together. Any chance we get. Um, 
even you know that's what's got us through the hard times man just the love for music and, and love to play live show man I love playing live shows I love every aspect of it writing recording playing live I love every part of it so that that's that's kind of got us through and and you know we've just every time something bad happens man, I'm lucky we, we all come together you know and just that's stick cool. through it that's good. I always like to wrap up the interview because you have a pretty extensive, I mean, library as to do. If you could pick two songs that you wanted us to play on the radio and me during the podcast or whatever, uh, what would they be kind of extras to kind of give the audience like something that they could say, oh, these guys really like these songs. I really like these uh, songs. Uh, two songs that pop into your head and why you like them well, so much to play them live. Possibly. One song for sure. Um, it's called Soul. That I the remixed it's on the Unlucky Thirteen demo, and I'll get that to you right now if you need it. And I did a radio edit version of it in case somebody offered to spin it. So um, it's the only song out of all of our old demos that I, I kind of went back and, 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 and finished, if you will. I had a couple of guitar parts I'd never got to do to the song. So everything else is original. I put a little extra ear candy on it, a little extra lady stuff in the background. But um, it's one of the songs I really wish we would have recorded on the center record, and we didn't. And it has a very Tearaway-ish kind of vibe to it. So to me, it's like the precursor to Tearaway. And uh, you know, Body Tearaway, the two songs I you know hear the most. I love those songs. So that would be a cool one. Consider it done, man. We'll play it. Man, uh, Sinner Unlucky 13th Anniversary Deluxe Edition hits stores on November 11th. Go out and pick it up and uh, see the guys anywhere uh, in your town. Thank you very much for doing the show, man. You said two songs, though. Oh, oh, I yeah, that's right. One, yeah, man. I'm not, right. sorry. I'm not going to. Uh... Don't don't let me slip on that. Yeah. <laughs> trying to think what else I would love to give you, man. I'm looking at, no, I'm going through. Now i got to go through the catalog, dude. I gotta go through them all. I'm like, which one? You know what song? I don't think it got any justice on on the. Um, I mean, I love One Finger in the Fist uh, off a of Resilience record, but there's a song on it called Digging These Holes that I always felt like, man, that could it sound like classic Drown Pool could have been a really um, cool single off that record. But we've done the record cycle. We're doing this now. We're gonna write the next record. So digging these holes, digging these holes. There you go. So you gotta give me both those songs. Well, oh yeah, I can yeah, send, send them to you now. Send them to me, man. All right. Thanks a lot, man. And. Uh, I look forward to, well, yeah, man. people look forward to the show. <laughs> All right, brother, thank you.
You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. Why would anyone take such verbal abuse? You are by far the dumbest, most pathetic piece of maggot-eating shit that has ever slid from a human being's hairy ass. Ah, oh, that's right, because it's funny. Doesn't that just make you boil? Doctor Skeetopia. You guys think you're so fucking cool. Makes me sick. Yeah, big round of applause. My man CJ from Drowning Pool. Drowning Pool still killing it, man. Been around for a while, still making people enter, you know, buying their albums, downloading their albums. Doesn't matter when they started, people are all about it. Congratulations on them. Great fucking show. Great interview. Thank you very much, CJ. Uh, you were a great guy, man. Cool guys. A lot of people always wonder. Uh, when it comes down to that, people always ask, ah, you know, I mean, was he a cool guy? Are they cool guys or just kind of whatever? And I have to say, yeah, yeah, he was, re- he was really cool. You know, don't be so quick to be judgmental. In fact, you know what? Let me let me kill let me kill my music bed for a second because uh, this has really been bugging me for a while, um, and it has to do with Bill Cosby. It's time for some of you motherfuckers to lighten the fuck up. There is something called the justice system. Guilty. Before proven innocent is what most of you motherfuckers think of. You don't care. All you have to do is read a couple of fucking articles and you automatically assume that this person is guilty. Especially when it comes to the word rape. Oh, that motherfucker's guilty. You know he did it. You know he was in a position of power and he just abused his power. Guys, what? Bill Cosby. First off, Bill Cosby is a fucking comedy legend. He has been the guy that has influenced hundreds of comedians out there that you applaud. And every time that you think this guy is a fucking rapist that has taken his position of power and abused it, you might as well say that about everybody else in the country that Bill Cosby has ever influenced as a comedian. Eddie Murphy. Remember back in the day when Eddie Murphy picked up a dude that uh, just so happened to be a transvestite? He thought he was picking up a stripper and all of a sudden, uh, you know, some bitch on the side of the road. All of a sudden you were like, oh, he's he's probably a fucking homo picking up trannies on the side of the road in Hollywood. Judgmental fucks that you are. You basically say, fuck the justice system. You are so quick to fucking judge this guy. I don't give too much of a shit about TMZ, but they had... Let me read you this. Allegations of rape. First off, all the fucking broads from back in the day are all popping out of the woodwork. Yeah, Bill Cosby, he he totally raped me. He filled me with drugs, and then uh, next thing I know, he's fucking me, and... You're fucking 80. Shut the fuck up. 
if it was such a big fucking deal, then you should have gone to the cops in the beginning. And the fact that all of a sudden you want to tarnish this guy's name, Bill Cosby's legacy, you are a fucking cunt. And I say that in strong, strong conviction. It's not the fact that whether or not he's guilty or not guilty, here's how it works for people. You're famous. Women like you. They're drawn to fame. These individuals decide to invite you back to their homes to have a couple of cocktails. Maybe you're a fucking pop, uh, you're popping pills, you're smoking weed, you're doing blow, you're doing a couple of, you know, some lines, maybe even some meth, whatever. You chose prior to alcohol, prior to drugs, to be able to go out there and say to yourself, yeah, I want to be, oh my God, Bill Cosby totally said, you know, he invited me. Well, the fucking douchebags at TMZ decided, well, you know, let's do a survey. Is Bill Cosby a rapist? 71% of you said yes. How the fuck do you know? Were you there? No, you weren't there. Which means that 71% of you fucking douchebags are just assuming that the bullshit you read in the newspaper or online is true. So guess what? 71% of you are fucking idiots. He drugged these women. 77% said yes. How the fuck do you know whether or not that they were just there to be with Bill Cosby? He offered booze and drugs and said yes. How the fuck do you know that he forced them unless he he treated them like a fucking dog that doesn't want to take a flea pill and shoves it down their mouth, closes their mouth, swallow it, swallow it, swallow it. There you go. Good boy. Good boy. How do you know that? You don't fucking know. Some of the new women that have come out and said, oh yeah, Bill Cosby raped me too. 67% of you said no. No, they're not liars. That's absolutely true. Maybe they were just waiting for someone. Shut the fuck up. Did his wife Camille know? 71% of you said yes. Of course she knew. She had to have known after all these fucking years. How the fuck do you know? Do you think he sat down with a couple of fucking uh, uh, jello popsicles and said, let me tell you, I've been raping women for fucking years. You don't fucking know that. You just assume. And let me throw out this cliche. To assume... Makes an ass out of you and me, namely Bill Cosby. 40-year-old claims are either fair game or unfair. 63% of you, according to this fucking dumbass website, TMZ, said yes. Of course they are. Now, there's a thing called statute of limitations. And when it comes to something like this and some fucking old broad decides, hey, maybe I can make money for my children. Shut the fuck up. You don't fucking know. You're just, you want to, you want the fucking payday. And let me tell you something. That's the reality. That's the truth. By the time 
that it goes through the court systems and Bill Cosby turns out to be the non-rapist that I personally think he is because look there are individuals out there that assume oh people of high power people with a microphone people that are famous uh, how do you know that they're not going to turn out to be some fucking sicko no you don't know but you chose you made the conscious effort to go out there and be with this individual don't you give me this shit that they just went out there to have a conversation. Shut the fuck up. If you think that's true, then you're a fucking moron. But according to this dumbass website, TMZ.com, 63% of you think, oh yeah, uh, of course it's fair game. Of course it's cheap. It's partially racial. Why would they say that? Uh, 81% said no. Good. Thank God they fucking said no. It has nothing to do with fucking race. The next one was I won't watch Cosby again. 52%. And this was the closest of the survey. 52% of you said no. I won't watch Cosby again. I won't buy any of his books. I won't go to any of his lectures. I won't have anything to do with him. For the simple fact that he is allegedly, allegedly accused of raping these women years year fucking decades ago that makes you a fucking moron the next one was i won't eat jello again 74 percent of you said no are you fucking really are you that fucking naive are you that fucking stupid that you would say well you know since bill cosby apparently was taking that uh jello blue and stick and shoving up people's snatches and assholes a little too far, I will never eat Jello again. Shut the fuck up. Like you had, like you went to fucking Sam's Club or one of these places and were buying Jello left and right, and somewhere in the back of your goddamn mind, subconsciously, you were saying, well, if Bill Cosby likes Jello, then it's gotta be great. Shut the fuck up. You're not fooling anybody. Fucking idiots. And the one that pisses me the fuck off, and I am here to tell you to lighten up Cosby's legacy. 60% of you said, fuck the fact that he's a legendary TV comedian. He is a rapist. 60% of the people surveyed said he is a rapist I don't want to have anything to do with him are you fucking kidding me he has not been to jail he has not had a court trial there is no evidence you are some fucking douchebag that all you have to hear was that he is apparently and back in the day decades fucking decades ago is a rapist and you are feeding into it like some fucking fish in the sea that just so happens to see a piece of bait and you took the bait and you're being reeled into the boat and you have all of a sudden decided yep i'm gonna throw up my hands and say fuck it lighten the fuck up man 
You are innocent until proven guilty. That is the law. That is the way it goes. I don't give a fuck what people have to say. I don't care what Time Magazine has to say. I don't care what Fox News has to say. I don't care what CNN has to say. I don't care what any part of the media has to say. The fact that he has not been judged by a jury of his peers and there is evidence he as far as I am concerned is completely innocent and if you are so goddamn stupid I want you to go buy a gun I want you to have make sure the bullet is a hollow point I want it to put have you put it in your mouth and I want you to pull the fucking trigger because you do not deserve to be on this planet. You are that fucking gullible. You are that fucking stupid. Because as far as I'm concerned, the guy is a, is a legacy. He is a comedic genius from back in the day. That has influenced guys like Eddie Murphy and so many others. And shame on you. Shame on you. For automatically reading an article in the newspaper, online, on a blog, and you just assume, well, I guess he's a fucking rapist. How the fuck do you know that? You don't know that. There is no fucking proof. There's just some fucking old broad saying, yeah, he fed me drugs and booze. And I went to his house and the next thing I knew, I woke up with his brother. I was raped. Shut the fuck up. You weren't raped. You knew exactly what the fuck you were doing, bitch. Back in the day, you were a fucking slut. And now all of a sudden, when you see dollar signs, you are that individual that is like, I want a piece of that. For what? You want to give your uh, grandchildren some money? Nothing upsets me more about this. Fuck TMZ for even having the audacity of having a poll of fucking morons. That would say shit like that. Shame on you. Because I believe in the judicial process. If there is no evidence, if there is no, just because someone says something, oh, 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 oh yeah, oh, oh my God, you know, that's someone's grandmother saying that they were raped by Bill Cosby. Shut the fuck up. Unless it's true, unless it's proven in the court of law that it's true, you're a fucking big mouth cunt. Cunt. So lighten up. Lighten up on how you judge Bill Cosby. Lighten up just because you might have been in a predicament that you were in a working environment where people seemed cool and then all of a sudden were pulling out their dicks and saying, well, you know, if you want to raise, you got to suck my cock. It's your word against their word, so shut the fuck up. Only you and they know. And as far as my show, Skitopia, is concerned, Bill Cosby will and always will be a comedic legend. 
and unless it is proven in court that he did wrong, fuck everybody else. And if you're too stupid to be that individual that says that, you're a fucking moron. All right, kids. Big round of applause for my man from a little band you might know called Drowning Pool. CJ, thank you very much for taking the time out and talking to me. Great guy. Go pick up the uh, go pick up the anniversary album. Uh, coming up next week, phenomenal guy. Great interview. Probably one of the best interviews I've done in 2014. Mikey from a band called Islander. Great stuff. Victory Records. Thank you once again for giving me the opportunity. Uh, good stuff. Uh, I definitely look forward uh, to seeing the overall progression of the band. And honestly, humbly, I say thank you very much for listening. I am an equal opportunity offender, and I speak my mind on this, on everything that is being published in any kind of news outlet or blog or tweet or whatever the fuck. I am that guy and thank you very much and I hope to continue to have you to be a true Skeetopian. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Josh. Say good night to the bad guy. And I'm out of here. <laughs>